Welcome to this week's Manor House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen to this message from Pastor Walter. You know, it's uh, here we are. We're on uh, Labor Day weekend, which is traditionally kind of the last sum, uh, weekend of the summer, right? I mean, I hear that uh, all the apartments, they close down their pools after this weekend. Summer's kind of over. Uh, you know, but you made it to church today. All of the online campus and the Rocky Butte campus, put your hands together. Just tell each other good morning. Here we are. You know, everybody's kind of using Labor Day to kind of do their last summer fling. Uh, this summer, while we were on vacation, our family, we tried something new for the first time, kind of a bucket list item. We did a whitewater rafting trip that was about an, only an hour long. And it was a lot of fun. If you've ever whitewater rafted, we did a few class two rapids, a couple class three, and we floated the rest of the time. Well, tomorrow, I need your prayers. My kids have, they've uh, ordered an eight-hour rafting trip for us tomorrow. And I can't tell whether it's they're trying to get rid of me or they're trying to bless me tomorrow. But uh, that's what we're doing to kind of close out the summer. We're going to do one last rafting trip and yeah, down the Deschutes River, I'm really looking forward to it. But it's a great way to finish out the summer, you know, and we're doing that today also. We're finishing out the last uh, one of our summer series, and it's actually the last day as we bring this series to a close, this title been Freedom. And freedom is something that I know that every one of us want and desire, and we probably actually believe that God wants us to live in freedom and that we were created to live in freedom, but living in freedom is actually different than desiring it. And, you know, when you look at this scripture that we've looked at every single week, and we're reminded it was for freedom that Christ set us free. When Jesus came, when the gospel became part of our world, we actually found freedom from our past and from our sin. Come on, how many are thankful that Jesus doesn't hold our past against us? He created us new creation that we are no longer bound up the way we were, but he did it for a purpose that we would be free ongoing. And he said, there's a challenge, though, because of the, the way life hits us, because of the way we're created, the way that we live, he says, you've got to keep standing firm and don't go back to the yoke of slavery. And it's so easy, isn't it, for us to go back to old ways of thinking, to go back to old habits and old patterns. The reality is it's far easier to feed our flesh than it is our spirit. Is that right? Unless uh, maybe you're a lot more spiritual than I am. But I recognize that the way the world hits us, I have to contend for my freedom. Jesus did everything we need to walk in freedom, but we have a part to play. And today I wanna to talk to you a little bit about this aspect of what it means to actually stay in freedom. We, we've been talking every week about the two trees of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and it actually represents our approach to God. And how we approach God will actually determine the level of freedom that we're gonna walk in in this life. Adam and Eve made a choice, and they, they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and, and really what they were saying was, I want to be like God. I want to determine what's right and wrong for myself. I want to make those decisions on how to live my life, and the problem was, unless you're the creator of something, you don't know how something's supposed to function, and God is our creator. He gives us his word to know how to live, and when we choose to walk in disobedience or rebellion, we actually say to the creator, I know better than you do. How many know that doesn't bring freedom in your life? But if we choose to live in the tree of life, which is words that we don't often enjoy, like surrender, crucify my flesh, 
to let go of what I think and the way I think I should live, and we surrender that to Christ. It's the only place that freedom begins to come into our world. And we've been looking at this aspect of, of what does freedom really mean. Next Sunday, we actually are going to do our fall kickoff for all of our groups around the church. We do, if you're new to our church, we do our small groups here in, in three semesters, a spring semester, a summer semester, and then a, a fall semester. And next Sunday, we begin where all of our small group leaders generally tend to start their groups within about a week or two of next Sunday. And I can't tell you how excited I am because I know that you were created for relationship with God, but he also created you to need other people in your life that are going the same direction that will encourage you and help you. Let me ask you a question. Where will you actually take off the mask to let people know what's going on in your world that they can come alongside you? And some of you, that terrorizes you, that thought of somebody else knows what's going on in my world. Can I tell you, you'll never be free unless you know what it is to be in relationship with God and let others be in your life also. But not only are we launching all of our small groups, we're actually getting ready to launch our freedom groups for the first time. And a freedom group is an 11-week group this, this fall that uh, really talks about our approach to God, dealing with issues of the heart and what is spiritual warfare, spiritual order, which we're going to talk about today. It's, it's, it's an 11-week small group that meets every single week, but it's finished off with a day-and-a-half encounter retreat where we're waiting on God. There's hands laid on you in prayer. There's times of waiting on the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit speak. I'll tell you why I'm really excited about this personally. Because I've gone through the freedom, freedom two different times myself personally. And here I am at 52 years of age, been a believer for most of my life, and I saw God encounter me like he did all of our staff that we just took through these small groups. And I want to just tell you, we don't have enough room for the whole church to go through, but there's still some places left in groups. I want to tell you, if you're, if you're needing some areas of your life that not just you need freedom, but you know God's wanting you to think differently and approach him differently, I want to encourage you to get into one of these groups. And if you don't this fall, it's okay, because they are now going to become a part of our core discipleship groups from here on out, every spring and every fall, because we recognize well, we can love God. We need to grow in God and put some foundations in our world. Can I hear an amen? amen? And that's what really groups are all about. And this freedom group that we're getting ready to start is just, just a foretaste in this series of what those groups are really about. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about sanctification. That's an old word. Sanctification. How many have ever heard that word? And we're going to talk about spiritual order today. We're going to talk about how God created us. And I want to just kind of seed you first with two scriptures we're going to look at. We're going to come back into these several times. But I want you to think about this. What does God ask us to put first in our lives? And Jesus, when he's teaching us about how to live life and the cares of life, he says this in Matthew 6, Seek first what? His kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Why did Jesus say to put this first in life? There's a reason we're going to look at in just a moment. And I want to tie what Jesus is saying to make priority in our life with what is said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 when, when Paul's talking about our world as well. And he begins to describe who God is in our world and actually how God made us. And he says this, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your, notice these three words in the order in which they are, your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. How many would like that said about you? They're, you're blameless before God when he comes back. How do we do that? And how do we live in this aspect of, of living a life that we understand our body, soul, and our spirit and how God created us? Now, we, we know that we're created in the image of God. 
Does anybody find the complexity of the Trinity sometimes amazing? God being three distinct Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet they're one, two parts unseen, one part seen. Jesus incarnated in the flesh, came and lived amongst us, but he was fully God in the embodiment as he came to this earth. And you're created in God's image, and one of the ways that you are is God created you as a triune being, body, soul, spirit. And you have one part that's seen and two parts that are really unseen. And you are, they're distinguishable, but yet you can't separate them from each other. You can't go into a person and just dissect their body from their soul or their soul from their spirit. And yet there's a real key that we need to understand about the way God created us in order to live not in a moment of freedom, not in just a season of freedom, but really a life of freedom. And the challenge comes to all of us that if I were to ask you this question, how would you answer it? I actually need to either begin an area of freedom or I need to grow in, it, in my freedom in this area. How many would say there's something I need to change? You see, it's a common human problem that we, we understand that God freed us in this moment, but how often do we forget that the very first thing that brought freedom in our lives is the same thing that's gonna keep freedom in our lives. And as we begin to understand this aspect of our spirit, our soul, and our body, our spirit is that part which communes with God. It's our conscience. It's, it's the part that before Christ is dead. And the scripture tells us after we come to Christ, our spirit comes alive. It's the place that we have communion with God. It's the place that our conscience resides. And it's the part that needs to be redeemed. And then we come to our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, how we think, how we reason, how we, how we process how we determine what we're gonna value importance in our life. And our, our soul, we can't get away from either. We're, we're constantly bombarded and the things that we take into our soul as we're gonna to talk today influence either our flesh or our spirit. And our, our soul has to be restored. David said this in Psalms 23 when he said, the Lord will restore my soul. It needs to be brought back into the alignment with God and who God created us to be. And then there's the, the body. And, and the Bible really talks about our body kind of in two ways. It talks about the, the tangible part, our five senses, the things that we can touch and see and feel. But it also uses this analogy as our appetites, our desires. And it's easy to kind of take our physical appetites and begin to realize that we also have spiritual appetites, things that, that our life desires. And this is who God made all of us to be is this aspect in body, soul, and spirit. And it's really important that we understand in what order we need to make sure they live in our life in order for us to live in freedom. And today I just wanna talk about three simple things, the importance of being first, the consequences of putting God second, and what it means to live in right order. And this morning, <clears throat> I think we ought to just ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts this morning, each one of us individually. Father, would you come in this morning's uh, time together in your word? And Lord, only you can bring the word of God alive where it actually changes each one of us. And I pray for everyone listening online today, everyone in this room, everyone who might listen over the week or the next weeks, God, that you would, you would speak to us. We, we want you to just hone in in our lives personally, out of your love and your grace, to speak to us of how you want to empower us to become more like you, to live a life of freedom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Have you ever noticed how God seems to really make a big deal about what's first in your life? We already read the scripture, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. I mean, he says this, honor the Lord, uh, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your, with your wealth and, and give him 
the first fruits. Kirstie talked a little bit about that 10%. Why does, why does God really want the first 10%? How about when he tells Moses that don't put any other gods before me? I mean, he's saying, I want to be first in your life in every single aspect. And is it just because God needs your affirmation? Is it because God has an ego that you have to stroke? Or is there something deeper in this aspect of why God wants to put you, have you put him first? Because the first actually represents something in your life. Let me ask you a question. If you had a crisis in your life, maybe, maybe it's a medical crisis or maybe it's a, a financial situation or, or maybe you, you, uh, you, know, you lost a close friend in a car accident, who would you call first? Who would you call first? You can't call God. You can talk to God. I'm talking about in the natural. <laughs> what person are you going to call? You're probably going to call somebody that you trust will help you walk through that season and will care for you. You see, when we put someone first in our life, when we put something first in our life, it actually usually represents what we trust the most. When, why is our finances such a big deal? Because God doesn't need our money. It always reminds us that above the tangible things that we can see and touch and feel that God is working in our life and he can somehow do more with the 90% than we ever could with the 100 as we put him first. You see, the first represents this, that God wants to be first because it requires faith and our faith shows what we trust. When it comes to your freedom, what do you put first? When it comes to a, an aspect of, of, I believe every single person in this room wants to live a life that's free from, from attachments, free from things that get a hold of you you can't change, old mindsets, relationships, and the ways you deal with them. I know there's probably not a person listening to me today that says, I love being stuck. I love being overcome by these situations. Nobody thinks that way. And yet, what do we put first in our life will determine whether or not we have that kind of freedom. When it comes to freedom, what's first in your life will determine the level of freedom you have. But the first is also the foundation for the rest of, of your life. When he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's saying, I know, God is saying, I know how I created you, and if you'll, you'll live the way I ask you to, it's by my design. It's because of my love. Have you ever seen a house be built? Once they clear the land, what's the first thing they do, whether it's a house or maybe a sky rise? They dig out from the ground, at least how we build houses here, and they put a foundation in. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't ever really see them just build a house on the dirt. Why? Because it wouldn't matter how nice of crown molding it had. It wouldn't matter what kind of appliances you put in that house. It didn't matter if you bought the most expensive and, and, and exotic wood floors. It wouldn't matter what you did to that house because that house is going to settle. Things are going to happen, and that house is going to crack. It's going to shrink. It's going to fall apart if you don't have the right foundation. It's interesting that even what your foundation is on is foundational. You ever seen one of those pictures or, or one of the videos like a house that's on the coast? And it has a foundation, but the ground underneath is, is beginning to erode. And you've ever seen these mansions that suddenly just topple over the edge of the cliff. It doesn't matter how big and beautiful it might be. If your foundation isn't right, you're building on a bad platform. Amen. So the challenge is, is that what we put first in our life really, really matters. It's foundational for everything else. And the first part of our life, if you're a believer in the room, you know this is that you made Jesus first when you asked him into your life, right? Yeah. 
When we came to Christ, when we made a decision at some point in your journey and my journey that we were no longer going to try to live our life on our own, find our own way, our own path, we really, in essence, said, God, and we use this line sometimes, Lord, come and be my Lord and my Savior. Often I think we really mean God saved me from hell, but I want to still live my own life my own way. And here's the challenge with that. When we come into Christ's kingdom, we actually are saying, I'm going to give you rulership. I'm going to let your kingdom be what rules my life. You're going to take dominion over my world, over how I look at things, how I relate to things. And today as Americans, we just don't think that way. But when God came into our world, he began to open up our spirit. And he came in. Here's the beautiful part about salvation. There's nothing we could have done to earn it. None of us were good enough. But as we stepped into a place of faith, Christ came in. Here's what I love. We can come right into God's throne room. We come in, he says, with boldness. We come in with joy. And you know what we find? We don't find judgment. We don't find, we don't find an angry God. We find his mercy and his help when we need it the most, he says. We come in by his invitation. We are pure and righteous, and the Bible uses this word justified, which means it's just as if I'd never sinned. We stand before God completely pure, completely righteous, completely holy. And before, we were ruled by our flesh and our soul. We were ruled by our appetites. We were ruled by our desires. We were ruled by our emotions and the way we thought. And God comes in, he says, I wanna change all that. I've forgiven you, but here's the challenge. Too many times I think we start by putting God first, but isn't it so easy to let other things come before God? It is so easy to let my flesh, my desires, my emotions, my will be stronger than what God says he has for me. And the challenge is, is that while Christ made our spirit come alive, the moment that we, he entered into a relationship with us, we struggle with this aspect of keeping him first. And there's a problem because there's consequences when we don't put God first, when we put God second. Um, I remember the days, I was trying to figure out how old you'd have to be to remember this. Does anybody remember the days where TVs didn't have a remote? Right? We didn't have a TV for a lot of my, my first years growing up, and so I'd go to my grandparents on a Saturday morning, and I'd watch cartoons, like Looney Tunes, I mean like good cartoons, like, like Bugs Bunny and those kind of things. Cartoons you actually kind of understood. Um, but I remember, or I'd watch, my grandfather always watched 60 Minutes on Sunday night, which was like a living hell for me, but as a, you know, as a kid, but here was the deal. If you wanted to change the channel, you actually had to get up off the sofa and walk to the TV, and there was a thing called a knob that you actually had to turn. Nobody channel surfed back then because it was like a workout, right? You'd sit back down. It's too quiet. You get back up, you go change the volume, right? So I remember when, when suddenly they began to have remotes with like TVs and VCRs, and I was no longer in bondage to getting up and exercising while watching TV. <laughs> Here's the amazing thing about a remote. A remote is designed to be able to sit on a sofa and work the volume, work the channels, but here's the challenge. If you don't put the batteries in first, it doesn't have any use. God created us a certain way, and how many times do we take the batteries out and wonder, God, why isn't things working? You see, the challenge is when we don't put God first, it's just like removing the batteries out of our remote and kind of going, God, 
Why are you not working in my life? The challenge is, is when we take God out first, life gets a little funky. Um, I think it's a lot like this. There's indicators that begin to show up in our world like tension, anxiety, broken relationships. Begins to show up in, in words we don't love like guilt, shame. They, they show up as fear. They show up as all these different kinds of things. And the challenge is we actually can begin to even remove ourselves from the freedom God has for us and begin to put ourselves back into bondage. They're really like dashboard lights. You see, when we begin to put God in the second place, these dash warnings begin to happen. I recently, uh, we were just down at kids camp, or our middle school camp, and our middle school camp is, is about 40 minutes past this little town called Antelope. Anybody ever been to Antelope? I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know if God knows how to get there. He has to use GPS. And there's no gas stations for miles, and I forgot to fill up this last time before I went to camp. And not only that, I, I, as we're coming back, I, I'm beginning to look, because I, I love technology, and I can tell how many miles till I run out of gas. I mean, that's a nice thing and a scary thing all at the same time, because now I know. And I'm looking at my GPS, and I've got so many miles before I get to where I can get gas, and my mileage is telling me I'm going to be short. The other challenge is I, I also have this other feature that I can tell how much, pressure to, how much tire pressure I have in each tire, and I got one that's about six or seven pounds low. Jesus. So, so the reality is, I think we live life a lot like this. We see the dashboard lights go off, but we either choose to ignore them or do something about them. And I realize that coming home, we finally got gas and we made it with about 16 miles left to go. And I paid a fortune for the gas, you know, because that's how guys are like, no, I'm going to get till I get to Costco gas. I ain't paying the Mount Hood gas price. It's like $7.29. Isn't it interesting? I was willing to pay whatever price I had to to get gas in my car because I wasn't paying attention to the dashboard along the way. And how many times in our life do we just say, God, I'm gonna, I got this. And instead we find ourselves and our journey becomes more complicated, more problematic. And we're running out of gas, if I could say it that way, when God never intended for that to happen. In fact, he's been warning us all along the way. And the reason I think that we start in freedom but we struggle to stay in freedom is maybe two things. We don't understand sanctification and we don't understand spiritual order. Amen. And sanctification is something Paul's talking about. And, and as we go back into 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he says, Now may the God of peace, and I love this word, himself. May God himself, notice this, sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might read that and say, that means he's going to sanctify me. There's nothing ever going on in my life again, and I'm going to be without blame. That's not what that scripture says. He's saying, I'm going to take your body, your soul, and your spirit, and I'm going to begin a process of sanctification that's going to make you more like Jesus. And I'm going to do it, and you're going to be preserved, and I'm going to continue with that work until the coming of Jesus happens for you. And as we look at that word sanctified, this is what the word means in the scriptures, in the Greek. It means to be set apart. It means to take something that is set apart, that that is actually for a purpose, and you protect it and you use it for that purpose. Now, I got a cell phone like the rest of you do, and and I, I enjoy a cell phone, well, most of the time. I'm actually putting it away more. 
But I can make phone calls like you can. I, I can. I can listen to music. I listen to audiobooks. I, I actually read the news from it. Um, and there's a lot that I can do with my cell phone. But I actually have a case because I want to protect it. I have a case in the overall. I've got a screen cover. The last one I dropped accidentally, and it, it scratched the whole surface of it. I, I've set it apart, but I only use it for the reasons that I should be using it for. Yeah. I don't use it as a, as a cup holder or or something to set my hot tea on in the morning. I don't put it in the dishwasher when I need to clean the screen. And I don't use it as, a, as an item to play catch when I'm bored in the offices and want to do something. We set it apart and we make sure that it's protected for that purpose only. And that's what this word means is that God created us with a purpose and we set ourselves apart and we protect ourselves from those things that would divert us from the way God created us to live. And the reality is that we make a choice every single day whether or not we're going to be set apart for God or not. But can I just give you a little bit of help in this? This is a lifelong journey. Sanctification is the process in which God renews our soul and our body to become more like the image of Christ who dwells within us. You see, sometimes we think, well, I've got to be perfect in a moment. How many have found that doesn't work? And sometimes the enemy comes and see, you'll never be good in that area. You'll never find freedom in that area, so you might as well just give up. And Paul's saying, I want you to know, you've got to learn how to, how to work with the spiritual order of your spirit, your soul, and your body. But you have to understand, God's going to sanctify you. Saved in a moment, thank God. Nothing we can do to earn our salvation, but we partner with God in him sanctifying us. And by the way, who did it say was going to sanctify us? God himself. And can I speak to some of you that are task-oriented and feel like you're a type A personality? Do you know you'll never find freedom by just working harder, doing harder, or being harder? It's only as we surrender to the goodness and the love of God, not out of duty, not out of some religious fervor, but as we learn to wait on God and let him speak to us and change us, we will only truly find freedom in Christ who dwells in us. So some of us in the room today, we need to remember it's not what I can do, but as I surrender to Christ, I have a responsibility to let God sanctify me, but it's Jesus that's doing the work in me. As we begin to understand that we're on a lifelong journey, that as we surrender our soul, what does that look like? It means that we, we let go of our will and we begin to let God's will become the priority in our world. As we begin to deal with our emotions, that we're no longer just simply led by what we feel, but we, we live by principle, not while denying our emotions, but we bring them into alignment to with what God's word says. And then there's our flesh. It means that we begin to move away from our appetites and our desires, and we begin to let God's word speak to how we should live. Does anybody find that difficult? As we begin to look at this issue of what does spiritual order mean, I think sometimes why it's difficult is because we feed the wrong thing in our life. Yeah. Notice the order in which Paul mentions it, spirit, soul, and body. If our spirit is alive to Christ, why are we struggling with freedom? If Christ is really the center of our world, we have to go back to the very first thing that brought us freedom is the thing that will help us continue in freedom. And when we live in the right order, if I could talk about that for a moment, what does it mean to live in the right order? It means we start by living in faith. Second Peter says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. 
Notice this, it's not by your power. It's not by how good you are. It's by making a daily exchange saying, God, the salvation I needed to be forgiven of my sins is the same power, the same nature that you have within me that's gonna lead me to live in a place of freedom. Every time you wonder, can you live in freedom? Go back and say, did Jesus save me and forgive me? Yes, then he can help me walk in freedom as well. It's the same faith. There's no other kind of faith than to believe he who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it if we will just get out of the way. You see, it says in Romans that before I was saved, I was subject to my flesh. Anybody here a good sinner before you got saved? Right? I mean, we don't teach classes on how to live in the flesh because it's just who we are. I remember when my daughter, maybe I told you this before, when she was like three years of age, she looked me in the eye when I was disciplining her. She said, you are not my Lord and Savior. (laughs) Now, unless her mother taught her that, which she might have, that just comes natural. We've got this part of us that we have to remember, in spite of it being probably the strongest appetite in our life, greater is he that's in me than even my flesh and my appetites that are within me. And it takes us a place of faith to live in this aspect. And and when we forget this, what we begin to do is we begin to move back into the tree of life. Excuse me, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I think because we feel caught that, God, I I don't think I should be living this way, so I must must be hopeless or helpless. I'm just going to go with what I feel. Isn't it interesting what the devil said to Eve? She saw it was good She was tempted, she took a bite. Isn't that what happens to us even as believers a lot of times? And we've gotta remember that in those moments, Jesus is is right there with us. He's dwelling in us. He actually has all power and authority over all things. How many times do we forget to turn to him in the moment? And if you're a believer and you've been saved from your sin, your past, your failures, you have the same level of faith it will take to live in freedom in an ongoing and growing way in your life. But it also means that if we're going to live in right order, and this is the right order, that we first of all let God fill our spirit, that our spirit begins to renew our soul, and our soul takes domination, if I could say it that way, over our flesh. But we've got to intentionally feed our spirit. You know, in the natural, you can tell that I only eat healthy and I work out every week. (laughs) Why? Because because what you consume on the inside shows up on the outside. It's the same thing in our world. The challenge when it comes to this area is that the world is always feeding your soul with what you see, you sense, you feel, you experience. You know, we go through life every day. We don't even ask for a lot of the input that comes into our world. And here's what's interesting. If our physical body is starved, you know it, right? I mean, your stomach begins to scream at you. It begins to cause you challenges. Other people even begin to know it because your stomach growls. You can see the consequences of starving your flesh. The other interesting part is if you starve your soul, it also gets louder. But when you starve your spirit, your spirit gets quiet. You ever thought about that? So here's the challenge. If we starve the wrong thing, it gets quiet. If we starve the right things, they get noisy, and they seem to get our attention often more. 
And we have to be careful of what we consume, and we have to be careful to intentionally feed the right thing, which is our spirit. So here's my question today. What are you feeding? Are you feeding your natural desires, emotions, feelings? Are you feeding your flesh, or are you feeding your, your spirit? And how you know is because when you feed your soul, it feeds either one or the other. It doesn't usually feed both. Now, I want a little disclaimer before I make these next couple statements. I do not believe that we need to think and only read, read Christian books and only listen to Christian music. I, I love a lot of, uh, if I could say it this way, non-Christian fiction and literature and music. I enjoy a good 80s rock concert now and then. I've never had a lighter, but I enjoy going to a concert. So I want to say that this is not about we live as pious uh, people set apart that we're not in touch with, with our, our world and we can't relate and we don't enjoy what God created in music and the arts and, and, and beauty and nature and, and all those kinds of things. But I will say this, what do you feed your spirit will greatly determine the level of freedom you have in your life. And I wonder sometimes if if maybe we listen to so much music that doesn't build us up and lift us up encouragement that we, that we begin to do something in our spirit because we're not feeding it the worship that God deserves and the things that remind us of his greatness and his grandeur. Maybe sometimes if the only time you're ever worshiping God through music and, and through your singing is on a Sunday morning, I would say you're not feeding your spirit enough. Not from a place of legalism or judging in any way. I just know that the world has got a lot more going into your soul than God does if that's all the time you ever have in worship. I actually don't believe that, that maybe if all you have is unhealthy, toxic relationships, it drains your spirit. It drains your soul. It begins to cause you to look at life differently. That's why you need some healthy relationships like in a small group. That's why you need people in your world that are going to encourage you. Believers or not, how many know a person that's draining in your life? We call them a straw person. They just suck the life right out of you, right? You're like a prune when you get away from them. You need some healthy people in your world. But yet how many times do we have mostly those as our relationships? How many times do you just begin to think of your world and ask this question, is what is coming into my world, does it feed my spirit or does it feed my flesh? You see, a lot of it's a balance of diet. There's just benign things in our world. But I will say this, the Bible says that there's certain things we should just stay away from, we should never consume. It's actually called sin. And the hard part is, is, I think even as believers, so many times, we, we actually are used to so much mixture, we sometimes just bypass the sin that comes in so easily. I'm going to step on a few toes right here for just a moment. For our young people, I hear some of the TV shows that you watch. I love a good murder mystery where somebody dies. <laughs> I know that's probably not that great a Christian, but it's Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about mysteries. I'm not talking about drama. I'm not talking about conflict in relationships. There's a lot of in, interesting things in movies. And, but I will tell you this. When you put sexuality in a great way in your movies, those TV shows that a lot of our young people are watching and a lot of us are watching, there's such a mixture that there's no way that you can put that into your soul and not have it rob you of your freedom. I remember this, and I'm going to say it to you as the Lord said it to me one time. I was in a small group with a, 
with about four guys, and we were dealing with purity and our, our worlds. And I'll never forget when the Lord asked me about this one area of my life. And it would be like this. If I made you some, some chocolate chip cookies, and you know, I made the finest Portland kind of chocolate chip cookies you've ever met. I mean, the brown sugar, the plants that were raised to make that, they were sung to every night. <laughs> the cows that gave the milk for the chocolate, they had, they had lanolin rubbed in their udders every single night as they gave that milk. The, 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 the eggs, they came from not only range-free chickens, those chickens, they had shoes on their feet so their feet would stay tender. You can tell these ingredients are the most amazing ingredient. And then I have one secret ingredient I don't tell you. But as I give you those cookies, they smell great. They go to your desires to eat them. And just as about ready, you're getting to put it in your mouth. I tell you that, oh, by the way, I put just a little bit of dog poop in them. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How many of you would take a bite of that? Not even knowing if it was just a tablespoon in a batch of 48 dozen cookies. How many would eat that? We have an altar call just for the man in red today. <laughs> you see, but the challenge is most of us live our life that way, that there's some things we should just never consume because they always, it's not a matter of a balanced diet, they always kill you and they always rob you of your freedom. And so today, where is it that God is speaking maybe not through me, but to you personally? Not from a place of guilt or condemnation, honestly. But honestly, is I, I have to come back and evaluate what am I feeding in my life? My spirit or my flesh? You see, this is, it's as sure as a math problem that two plus two equals four, that whenever we put sin in our world, it always causes us death. It always brings us loss. And today, the beautiful part is we begin to find out, Lord, we put you second in some area of our life or third. We come back to that same faith that started our freedom journey, and that is, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? He's not a God who wants to hold it over your head. He's a God who comes to restore relationship. He comes back. Say, I love you. What did he do to Adam and Eve in the garden? In their shame, in their sin. And them trying to cover their self, think about this, it's so ridiculous. You ever try to sew fig leaves together? They don't last. But God came and he provided a covering for them through his blood that was shed, that would cover you and I. And today as we're in this room, a heart as a church is not that we would be legalistic, not that we would be condemning, but that we'd be introspective to let the Holy Spirit speak in every one of our lives to say, what is it that maybe robs me of my freedom? And really a sign of our loss of freedom is, is a greater sign of the distance we put between ourselves and God while he's just waiting on the edges to draw back to you. Can I ask you to bow your heads for a moment? I recognize that today being a holiday weekend, Maybe there's not many people that don't normally go to church in the room today, but I would not want to walk past this moment, this opportunity, to just say this to you. You're not too far from God. Maybe you came today, you didn't know why you came, it was the invitation of a friend, or maybe you're looking for answers. You're in a room full of broken people that have simply found forgiveness from their past by the work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
And if you're here today and you just say, you know what, I need to start that freedom journey. I need Jesus to come into my world. I need forgiveness. I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand in the room and online. Just press that little button right there in the bottom. Is there anybody here this morning that would just say, Walter, I just need God to enter into my world. And I'm willing to try him and to trust him to see what he can do for me. If there's anybody in the room, I, I can't see everybody in my service house are just looking. And if there is, they're just simply going to give you a little card. You can hold on to it. I'll tell you in a moment what to do with it. But I don't want you to be distracted because for that one hand, come on, God sees that one. For everyone online, right where you're at, all you need to do is ask God to come into your world and to forgive you. Something as simple as like this, just where you're at, just say, Father, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart today. I need a forgiveness from my past. I need a new start. I don't even fully know all this means, but I'm choosing today to step into a relationship with you to come make you my Lord and my Savior. And if you prayed that prayer, God begins to move in. Church family, would you just put your hands together? I just, that one person, even in our room right now, that made that decision, every person online. And I just want to ask the rest of you, so your head's bowed for a moment. In a, in a moment, not because I want you to hide from everybody around you. I want to give about a minute for the Lord to speak to you. Where is it that he is putting his finger on something through the Holy Spirit? To say, I, I want to work in this area. I want to give you freedom, and I, I'm needing you to surrender it to me and recognize I can do that in your life. Speak, Holy Spirit. We just wait on you. If you felt like the Lord is just saying there's an area you need to work on, surrender to him, or again, put him back in the first place, you just stand to your feet right now. Right in front of everybody, I believe there's a lot of people that need to stand right now. And God's just speaking to you. And all you're doing is you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna make a choice right now. I'm not gonna walk out and just let it be a message. I'm gonna let it speak to my heart and spirit right now. I believe there's some more. Some of you right now, the fear of even just taking that step, the enemy's trying to work on you because he wants to keep you where you're at. I just want you to stand right now. About another 30 seconds. The Holy Spirit's working right now. And by standing, you're saying, Lord, I'm choosing to surrender this area and I'm gonna put you in the first place again right now. Now, church family, I want you to get to your feet and I want you to see anybody standing right around you. And we're just gonna, we're gonna pray with them right now. We are a church family. We're not an organization. We're not just a gathering. And I just want you to put your hand on the shoulder of somebody right in front of you or next to you. Come on, Father, right now, we come as a family and we celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness today, Lord. Lord, we're just, we're just standing with our brothers and sisters today. There's no judgment there's actually understanding, Lord, because you're working in every single one of our lives. 
And those, Lord, that are just taking a bold step today, whatever that is, to put you in the first place in an area, maybe to surrender an area that's just begun to drift. Lord God, we stand with them today and we acknowledge that you are God and we are not. We acknowledge today that you are a loving Father who comes through grace and love to restore every area of our life today. And God, we come and we stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil right now for a complete awareness of where the enemy's trying to just speak, attack, or bring in accusations. And in the name of Jesus right now, we stand with them and we're agreeing together today that whom the Son has set free, they are free indeed. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Put your hands together for the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to another Mana House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time.